0: I'm Ross Jelson, and today, I want to help you better understand the power of words and what you say, what I say, and how that influences life. Several years ago, I decided to create a mission statement for myself. I had helped organizations create mission statements and vision statements and strategic plans and core values. So I was familiar with that process of creating a mission statement, and I felt like I should create a mission statement for myself so that I would have a more focused sense of purpose. So I created this as a mission statement. It took me several weeks, and I wordsmithed it to get it exactly how I wanted it, and it really turned out quite simple. And my personal mission statement is to serve God and people to the best of my ability. So I see this series of podcasts to be intentional on my part and how I can serve people. In that regard, this mission statement aligns itself with a book I read several years ago by Simon Sinek. You may be familiar with Simon's work. He's appeared on several TED Talks. He's written several books. But one of the books that Simon Sinek wrote is a book called Start With Why. That book had a profound impact on me as a leader. So much of life, we think about who, what, when, where, how. And when we get busy doing life, we get focused on the who and the what and when do I need to be there? and Who else is going to be there? And what are we going to do? But do we actually take the time to communicate the why? So, leaders, I think, are responsible for creating the why to explain to their people how is it, but more importantly, why is it that we are doing what we do? Why do we have core value with an organization? So, Simon's book gave me a real picture of clarifying the why. So, I've come to realize in my short life that Two words have become my favorite words. And those two words are influence and impact. My goal as an educator, I went to college to become a teacher and a coach. And educators do so because they want to use education and coaching as a way to influence people. They want to bring out the good in people. Influence and impact have become a significant part of my life. And it's my hope that through this teaching and the series that we will produce of of, uh, topics will help you better understand the significance of your influence and your impact on other people. I know that like me, you influence people every day. You influence people that are close to you. Could be your spouse, could be your children, could be your boss. If you're a boss, if you're a CEO, you're influencing lots of people. And in the long term, because of that influence, you've had impact on those people. So, in this series of topics, we are going to talk about the most common means by which you influence people. So, think for a moment with me. What tool do you use to influence people? What tool do I use? What's most common in that regard? And I would say to you, we do it with words. We do it with what we say. And sometimes we say just the right thing. And sometimes we say, why did I say that? Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Well, I wish I would have kept my mouth shut. But sometimes your voice can be the voice of reason. Sometimes your voice can be powerful in that you've said just the right thing at the right time. Sometimes you can simply be the voice of encouragement to people. One of the phrases I've heard uh, used, I don't know where it came from, but is I have never met a person who didn't get too much encouragement. I've never met a person that said, oh, don't encourage me anymore. I've gotten too much encouragement. And what's encouragement about? It's about receiving words, the right words from the right people. And those words had influence. Think of a child growing up. The more positive affirmations they get, studies show that that young boy or girl becomes a confident young man or young woman. And they grow into a person strength, and they know their background, they know they've been blessed, they know the affirmations, so they become a person of influence. Now, to that regard, let me take you back to my childhood, so you get a picture, just a glimpse, of what my journey has included. I grew up on a farm in the Midwest, North Dakota, and I enjoyed, for the most part, a wonderful life on the farm challenge father was an alcoholic mother strong in our family father strong in our family so i benefited from two strong present parents they were a part of everyday life on the farm i benefited from that i remember words and examples like yesterday from my mother and from my father those words and their words to me Both praising and sometimes a little bit harsh had impact on who I am today. The other voices that I learned to listen to with great admiration as a young boy becoming a young man, particularly in my high school years, were the voices of my high school coaches. I love sports. I don't know what your loves and your passions are, but I would would predict I would say that likely there are people that enjoy those same infatuations that you do, those same passions that you have, that speak into you as well. And you look at them and you say, I can learn from that person. I want to listen. That was Ross when I was 15. My coaches were, they were incredible to me in terms of what it is. I waited on every word on the edge of my seat. And I wanted to listen closely. So, coaches became very important to me. And I really think it was their example that led me to be an educator and a coach as well. I became a head high school football coach and a teacher in 1974. And I remember those early years as an educator. As a teacher in a classroom, it's very important to be able to help your students feel like this guy knows what he's doing as compared to, and part of that's delivery of your words and preparation and and being ready, so to speak. But I knew that every day I needed to be prepared. I needed to know what words I was going to use. Along with being a teacher, I was a coach. And I learned pretty quickly that on game day, I needed to have my team ready to play. So in that regard, I would spend not just the day of the game preparing what I was going to say, but I found myself working on that pregame speech, that locker room uh, talk, so to speak. I'd start preparing that on a Monday, on a Friday night game. But the beauty of it was, every Friday night, I knew there was going to be a game. And I knew I had an opportunity to say just the right thing to my team. Or, if they didn't play very well, I could say, or I would say, well, I wonder if I said the wrong things to them. Where did I not have them prepared? Why weren't they doing better? Now, to that point, game day speeches became a function of what words to say and how to say them. So I learned early on the power of words and and I guess I was blessed in that I got a pretty good feel for how to get a group of teenage boys to get excited about playing the game of football. And more times than not, we played at a pretty high level. Three years into my high school coaching career, I had had a dream to be a college coach someday. I had an opportunity to go to North Dakota State University as a graduate assistant. Which meant that at the same time I was working on my master's degree in education, I was helping coach the football team at North Dakota State. What an honor for a guy from North Dakota, born and raised there. Jim Wackler gave me that opportunity. He was the head football coach. And the first summer I was there, Jim called me in his office and he said, I'd like to give you a summer assignment. And he said, what do you think of the idea of creating a notebook on motivation for our coaches? And Jim was the master motivator. I remember that fall, standing in the locker room with players as a graduate assistant, watching Jim speak words of affirmation, and you can do it, and we are going to win, and those types of phrases and I was ready to play myself because he was really good at it. But back to that summer work, so I went about the task for six weeks of collecting everything I could find on motivation. Sayings, locker room inscriptions, paragraphs on motivation, things from John Wooden who was a very successful coach at UCLA in basketball. I collected everything I could find and I categorized it put it together in this notebook, and when the coaches came back from summer vacation, we sat down and I pridefully handed out a notebook to each one of the coaches. To this day, I still have copies of it, and I've given copies away. I never had it published. It was simply a three-ring binder filled with everything on motivation. But what was it? It was a collection of words. And why did I choose them? because I felt those words were applicable to situations. They were appropriate words. They were words that would work, that would win. Now, take that notebook, 1977. Here we are, 2020. Simon Sinek. Why are we here? My last two years have been about, in part, writing a book. The title of the book is Winning Words with a byline, the byline, Speaking Life to Influence Others. It's my hope that you and I can have this conversation and you might learn a thing or two about how to use words to influence the people in your circle of influence. We all have a circle of influence. Sometimes the circle of influence includes someone that you had no intention of meeting when the day started, but you connect with them at the grocery store on the way home to work, you connect with a new employee at work. So my point is, we all have a circle of influence. With this, your words are either of positive or they can be of negative influence. Now, negative doesn't necessarily mean back. We'd all rather receive positive, but at times it's a responsibility of a person to call someone to a higher degree of accountability or correction. So in that regard, the words sometimes can be negative and they can still be positive in that they've helped cause correction. They've helped bring about improvement. So po- words can be positive or negative. Now, if I asked you which of the two you'd rather be to someone else, you'd much rather be positive. I totally get that. Now, this book will be published in March, and the book will have sayings, stories, and different pieces that I've collected from people all over the country, and they'll all be about topics. And this series of podcasts, my goal, is to one at a time take these topics and go deeper and use them as teachings whereby which you may glean a thought or two that's helpful to you about the power and the influence you have with your words. The topics in the book include topic of faith, Where does faith fit in life? Where do words fit in faith? Topics such as training, training the mind, training the body, discipline, the value of discipline. Discipline is not a bad word. Discipline is one of the essence of life. There's a topic in there on perseverance. Life sometimes is hard. It was one of my favorite chapters to write in the book. And I think there's some valuable tools I'm gonna share with you relative to perseverance. There's a chapter on teamwork. There's no better example of teamwork than the family home. The best families operate because they can trust one another. They believe in one another. They love one another. Teams are a lot like that. The best teams are close together. They built themselves to belong to each other. There's a chapter on motivation, just like that motivation notebook that I wrote in 1977. There's a chapter on humor. Sometimes your words can be used just the right humorous anecdote becomes exactly what was needed at a point of tension in a meeting or in a family discussion or, you know, honestly speaking, my wife and I are having a conversation and for whatever reason it goes south and there's a little tension in the room, and one of us has to break the ice, so to speak, so sometimes humor becomes a way by which your words can be just the right ointment on the the tension, so to speak. There's also a chapter on leadership, and I think leaders have a high degree of accountability for what it is they say, and how is what they say received by people? Uh, one of the things I've come to believe and as a leader is, I have to be careful what I say because it really doesn't matter what I thought I said, it's how I said it, and more importantly, how did people receive it? So words can be either intentional in it that they're received as people, as I thought they were going to be, but sometimes people can walk out of my office and they're, my, what I said, was not what they interpreted. And so in that regard, there's that teaching there. There's a chapter on success. There's a chapter on character. There's a chapter on legacy. So this book is going to help me with this podcast series and I'll reference it periodically, but it's basically going to become a series of teachings about the use of your words and what these words can do to influence and impact other people. I know that words have impacted my life and I know I've said just the right thing at the right time to a person or a large audience of people. But sometimes I've had a conversation with someone and they've come back to me later and say, Ross, I don't think you meant to say, they're being kind. I don't think you meant to say what you did, but you hurt me. And that's the reality of life. And that's why I started this today by saying, when we're living, life happens. In that regard, your words are just so, so important. It's my thought that you can influence other people, you do it every day. Can I help you in that regard to be better at influencing other people? One of my favorite sayings is, we get better or worse every day. We never stay the same. I've told that to football teams for 35 years. Where I got that from, I have no idea. But we get better or worse every day. We never stay the same. It's my hope that I can help you get a little bit better today.